Powered by volunteer community involvement, this is CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. mission is to analyze horror films through an intersectional feminist lens while combining elements of screen media studies, arts criticism, and gender studies. Since we'll be discussing portrayals of horror and violence, content warning and listener discretion is advised. Also, spoilers ahead. So a few weeks ago, a friend of the show and sometimes co-host, Jill Greening and I, hosted a live discussion on David Cronenberg's 1986 film, The Fly, as part of Cinematech's Aurora Corealis Canadian Horror Film Marathon. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out to the marathon, and I'm looking forward to more live shows. Enjoy. I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation. Molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. Those weird hairs that were growing out of your back, I had them analyzed. They were definitely not human. If you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is. I'm sure Typhoid Mary was a very nice person, too, when you saw her socially. No! You're afraid to be destroyed and recreated, aren't you? You're changing, Seth. Everything about you is changing. Oh, no. What's happening to me? Am I dying? I want to know what's going on. What does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly. Got into the transmitter pod with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. It could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Thanks for sticking around. So yeah, I'm Olivia, and this is my sometimes co-host, Jill. Um, we, let me just get my notes. Uh, we host Bikini Drive-In on CKUW, 95.9 FM. Uh, so yeah, so Bikini Drive-In's mission is to analyze foreign and science fiction films through an intersectional feminist lens. And yeah, so we're here to talk about The Fly. Um, all right, so yeah, so we've um, covered quite a bit of horror, body horror on the show. Specifically, the body as a site of horror, and David Cronenberg is a pioneer in that realm and is known as like the body horror guy. 
Um, so Jill, what are you, how familiar are you with the subgenre and with Cronenberg's body horror films? I love The Fly <laughs> so much. <laughs> it was, The Fly was, I think, my introduction to Cronenberg, who now is, he's one of my favorite directors, I think. And yeah, first time watching it was probably some like high school Halloween event such as this. Uh, and yeah, I was like familiar with Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum, who I love in this movie. <laughs> I think he's just so brilliant. Um, although, so they were dating at the time of filming Yeah, this. they got married like a year after. Yeah, but their chemistry on screen is not... Not so much. It's not so much. It's not so much. Um, but yeah, Jeff Goldblum, I just, he makes me feel all sorts of gross and strange and like horny. He's just so <laughs> funny as a fly. I love him. Um, but yeah, so The Fly very much feels like like the body horror film, at least that's how it's kind of worked uh, for me. I like the, the mucus and the wet globules and like <laughs> oozing transformation. It's just such a riot to watch. Um, and then yeah, body horror continues to be such a fascinating genre as it so viscerally explores themes of mortality and illness, birth, relation, excess, hybridity, and cyborgness. Um, and, and really asking the constant question of like, what is a body? Which as like a dance and performance person is <laughs> endlessly fascinating to me. Um, yeah, and then not to mention the fact that body horror is also a genre of special effects and puppetry and like texture. Um, so it's always really proprioceptive to watch. And uh, Derek de Kirchhoff, who's Mr. McLuhan scholar and also colleagues with Cronenberg, um, articulates proprioception as feeling the boundaries of one's skin. And uh, it's maybe a bit of a paraphrase that's off, but, but body horror so aptly uh, encompasses that question of like what is the boundary of the body and what is inside, what's outside. And obviously in The Fly we see that uh, demonstrated with the baboon being teleported unsuccessfully at first. <laughs> um, but that distinction between the body and the rest of the world is, is really kind of slippery and oozy mm -hmm. and, and pliant and mm -hmm. porous. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the original story, which was published as a short story in Playboy magazine, so kind of staying on that like fleshy theme. Um, and the 1958 film are firmly rooted in this kind of like mad scientist trope. And it's more of like a body swap rather than a merging of flesh. Um, yeah, so this film has Cronenberg's cl tr classic tragic figures, uh, Seth Brundle. Um, he actually reminds me of the of Beverly and Elliot from Dead Ringers, uh, which came out in 1988. Um, and both films feature these kind of like awkward and ambi ambitious geniuses um, with kind of like this preoccupation with flesh and desire for per perfection, like Seth Brundle talks about being pure quite a bit. Um, and both films also feature the protagonist evolving or decompensating and building nests for themselves um, in their apartments. I thought that was like yeah, an the interesting theme. The detritus that like just accumulates in his loft spaces. Yeah, yeah. nesting, <laughs> cute, Brundle. Again, with this like weird like family theme. Yeah, that's mentioned throughout the film. Um, so yeah, I just have a quote about body horror from an essay by Dominic Preston from Little White Lies. Uh, the fly is a tour de force that discussed Cronenberg finding new and increasingly repulsive ways to make us look down at our own fleshy forms with slow dawning concern. Every time an ear falls off or monkeys turn inside out is a fresh reminder that not just not just of our mor mortality, but how viscerally unpleasant most of us would find our own innards, how perversively alien our own bodies can seem. Which I think is a great like encapsulation and just like this, maybe that's where the abject kind of horror comes from. It's this like confrontation with like, 
gooey bodies or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, David Cronenberg is like such a specific kind of squishy horror, like very tactile, like you mentioned, visceral, skin-like, compared to more like just like sweaty, bloody films. Um, so yeah, so we have The Fly, Dead Ringers, The Brood, even John Carpenter's The Thing, kind of like this imagery of like pulsating organs <laughs> and stuff like that. And just, yeah, so good, so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think it is about body horror that is so effective and kind of like hard to watch? Good question. Uh, yeah, I think I th- it makes me really wonder about about what the notion of like something being hard to watch is. Like what is that discomfort around the vulnerabilities that underlie sensations of feeling one's body or in or being in like a sensory proprioceptive state, which as this film, like any, I feel like for so many people, anytime there's like a fingernail thing, like you're just like, like you just, yeah, it's very like proprioceptive. Um, Yeah, so as like that idea of something being hard to watch, are we as the audience then like feeling our bodies and our skins in in different or vulnerable ways or like what is that? And as stated earlier, um, Dukerkov discusses, yes, this like proprioception bit as um, in understanding the one's body in relation to the world and to our surroundings and to each other. So yeah, body horror really just like activates these these modalities. Mm-hmm. And when faced with like the fragility of our, our skin sacks and like the mortality, <laughs> our own mortality in a way that's like so heightened and, and artful, I mean, yeah, like it makes you want to puke. And for <laughs> me, like that experience has happened like a lot of like somatics classes or workshops um, and you're diving into like these deep, um, internal states and like feeling like these intricate detailed movements of like oh like move from your kidneys feel your kidneys and your organs or your pelvis and your spine and it really as a participant you like get pretty dizzy and pretty woozy <laughs> like I've almost fainted multiple times in in those workshops it's like your own little internal body horror <laughs> experience <laughs> that you're doing to yourself uh, or even like uh, having a dance friend who she recently was studying for this anatomy course test and she was going over with me, like describing the movements of the knee and the ankle joint. And, and like it made me have to like, li- I had to like <laughs> take a breather and lie down. Cause it, and it wasn't even blood and guts and ooze, but it was just like the, me- the mechanics of how our bones and our joints move in these ways. Um, but it was like the delicacies of it and the like, it was just so overwhelming. Um, so yeah, being confronted yeah viscerally uh, with that mortality and mm-hmm. the strangeness of these fleshy things is like intense and it's like devastating and really fantastic. So yeah, I hope that answers <laughs> that question. Sure, sure. Residue means your old boyfriend, doesn't it? Stathis Barnes is your old boyfriend. From the desk of Stathis Barnes. How about under the desk of Stathis Barnes? She's working for her old boyfriend. Now she runs out late at night to see him. Was this the Ronnie game? I'm catching on, I'm catching on. I didn't mean to kill your brother, but he didn't die in vain, if that's of any comfort. And as the general said, there's nothing I'd ask you to do that I wouldn't do myself, boys. Hey, you're all right. I'm looking at you. I can tell you're okay. What are we waiting for? Let's do it. 
How are you doing? Now you tell me. Am I different somehow? Is it live or is it Memorex? It's too bad Ronnie missed it. So yeah, so what do you f think of the film on a, on a more like aesthetic, kind of superficial level? Like we see very minimal, kind of an isolated set where it also feels, it almost feels like a play. And I feel like that kind of reflects the kind of like isolated small world of the characters and their relationship. Because there's really only three main characters. It's um, Seth Brundle, it's Veronica, and then is it Stathis, her like shitty yeah. ex-boyfriend? He's editor? always smirking. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, that's Stathis. I also really enjoyed the telepod design. Apparently, it, um, David Cronenberg initially thought of having it made as like all just kind of like glass plated mm. and very like clean and kind of like clear, but then ended up going in a more kind of like Geigery, Nostromo Geeker. from Alien, yeah. Geeker. His little voice. Whoopsie. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's um, just how he. Geeker. <laughs> um, so we ended up basing it off of, I think, like a part of a motorcycle. Oh. So it's mo more Mass like. Let's yeah. Butch, like yeah, masculine, <laughs> industrial, That's kind of, and like which is very different from kind of this like maybe like typical like pristine sterility associated with a lot of maybe like older science fiction films. Yeah, aesthetics of this film. Yes, I agree <laughs> with the play. There's like a an insular kind of nature of it that yeah, it does feel like a play. It makes me wonder. I mean, I've never seen the original one, um, let alone read. The Roots has a story, I'm assuming maybe a short story, mm -hmm. but it has that kind of, yeah, like it's the staged quality that's like kind of like charmingly wooden. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, you're right, like it's not kind of the science fiction aesthetics of like space travel or the Jetsons or anything, but then, and again, echoing you, like there's a, like a naturalness of these organic textures, such as, oh my gosh, the wood splintering, that scene is hilarious when he's like, does this look like a sick man to you? And he just like <laughs> punches the door frame repeatedly and it's so demented and so strange. And uh, it's so ridiculous. And But that, like there's a, a naturalness with, with the textures coming out and there's steam and there's dirt and there's like mud puddles and gravel and lots of houseplants, mm -hmm. at least in Ronnie's place and I think in the, the office, mm -hmm. the publication office too. But this use of organic matter uh, it calls to mind Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which mm -hmm. has that, obviously, it's use of, like, plant life and flora. Um, and then also it made me think of, like, Solaris a bit, which is, like, obviously science fiction extraordinaire that, that blends, like, very natural Russian cabin rural life then with, like, uh, space travel and speculative mm -hmm. futures. Or even, I've been thinking a lot about, obviously, Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, today and every day, and, like, <laughs> that kind of imaginative science fiction that's also anchored in these really... Um, like expansively described natural environments that are filled with like dirt and dust mm -hmm. and snow um, and how humans kind of relate to their environments. Um, yeah, so the fly is is like seems very grounded in like a very real realm mm -hmm. of like urban isolation. I think it's really smart of Cronenberg to do that. And that isolation bit feels quite reflective of like common relationships to our technologies and our devices that I mean we, can teleport around the globe thanks to like <laughs> video chat or even the isolation experience when using the technology of like the pen which extends the contents of my mind and like we're so often in a state of of cyborgness like we're, we're completely entangled with the technologies that we use every day um but to loop back to body horror the film is like so brilliant in this 
awareness of how technologies like extend those limits of our skin. Mm -hmm. um, like that moment with the microchip uh, digging into Brendel's back is obviously a really clear example of that. And then obviously in the end with the Brendel fly pod. Creature, it's so sad. One of the cord, oh, the last sad, sad eyes. So sad. Um, okay, aesthetic moments. <laughs> One of my favorite aesthetic moments is the cover draft of the Science Magazine, where it's like youthful father of a new <laughs> age. And then it has all those silly, that like a little portrait of Rundle. And then those like squiggly, squiggly graphics. I want that on a t-shirt. I should get t-shirts. <laughs> um, but I feel like that headline really like cuts to the underlying themes of the film, mortality, illness. Um, this is something that I don't answer, but I'm thinking about with this film, but mm. like lineage, inheritance, control, mm -hmm. leadership, and then like patriarchy, anyone, you know, using youthful father is like, that's loaded. Um, <laughs> but that's, I put it here because I haven't worked through those ideas. That's an uncompleted thought. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. And <laughs> yes. I feel like with this film, it's not like David Cronenberg is like trying to, it's not only exclusively about one thing. Oh He's gosh. obviously like, yeah, totally doing totally. a lot like with all of his, all of his films. So yeah, moving on to the special effects. I feel like they really hold up. I think it's like 35 years later or so. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, yeah so we see a gradual evolution um, into this monster using makeup and prosthetics. And actually, like the last two iterations of the Brundleflyer puppets, which I think <gasps> is so cute. I love those And puppets. I think it's like, I find those two forms of the Brundleflyer like quite cute. It's because they don't have like any kind of like human his features. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the little fur on his little... His little pinchers, they're yeah. so cute. They're so cute. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, what do you think of the special effects? I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Practical effects tend to just like stand the test of time. Mm. They're so beautiful and charming. And um, yeah, and even as they age, like they don't get that like jarring thing or even that like intentionally, or, or if they are silly, it's intentionally so. They're just, they age really well. Um, CGI has like a shelf life, um, whereas practical effects just... <laughs> So good. Um, something I want to talk a little bit about is Cronenberg has a quote. I forget what it's in, but it's a quote yeah. that I have a link <laughs> to somewhere in my computer. Um, but he talks about this film in regards to like uh, the disease of being finite and that like death being the basis of all horror, um, which then inherently in my brain, it's like, oh, okay, so what does that mean to be human? What does that mean to be a body, obviously? But in returning to the fly uh, and how it navigates themes of illness and mortality, uh, there are so many nods, such as um, obviously the magazine cover, and then Ronnie stating it's early in the film that she like, isn't getting any, any younger mm -hmm. when she's asked why she's pursuing the Brendel story, and then closer to the end, I think it's when Brendel has like the double cane mm -hmm. situation, and he says, I won't be just another tumorous bore, and like this film really demonstrates that like fallacy or that fiction of any sort of like dichotomous view between health and illness, like as per Cronenberg's quote, mm -hmm. um, like the disease of being finite is one that is just, that's existence. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then this film also does a really interesting job of, of looking at illness as like a really like multi-dimensional process, looking at it through like a, obviously a physical process, but then also psychological and social. Um, Oh, and there was one other note that I made in this <laughs> recent watching. Uh, there's another time where they're talking about him like, he'll never get sick again. I can't remember when it came up. I think it was when he first like went through and was mm -hmm. all like, oh, to, to, to. it felt very like powerful and like indestructible. Yeah, 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 totally. 
Um, but these themes of illness feel like really depressingly poignant right now in a time where like obviously COVID deaths are like disregarded due to underlying health conditions and the important lack of uh, support and societal care for those living with chronic illness, not to mention the fact um, of the really like brutal nature of care homes. So again, actually thinking early in the pandemic when like the precarity of care and health in these like, yeah, quote unquote care homes um, exposed like this absolute disregard with which certain parts of society uh, treat their elderly. And Ronnie's disgust and fear of of Brendelfly kind of like echoes those societal fears and disgust exemplified by our like really horribly mm -hmm. ableist world and an inhuman treatment of, of many ill and disabled people. Mm -hmm. So when Brendelfly like shifts into that mode of acceptance with his new condition, mm -hmm. so yeah, he has that moment with the double cane where he's like, I don't wanna be just this bore, like talking about my lymph nodes and hair falling out and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then he has that moment where he's like climbing all around his his space and he like hops down and he's all excited and like kind of empowered mm -hmm. um and he's like I'm, this is great like i understand <laughs> this condition and then there's like he displays this like really gentle curiosity like when his his teeth are mm -hmm. falling out and he has those really beautiful lines about like teeth as relics as vestigial archaeological redundant artifacts from a bygone era of historical interest only. And he's so like light and, and funny about these bodily changes. Mm -hmm. And and I mean, this personal sidebar, yeah. obviously this is not everyone's experience with cancer, but with um, my stepdad who he was experiencing like changes in all sorts of bodily ways. And he approached it with like such humor and like lightness and wonder. And it's so like fascinating and quite beautiful when like and I know that's not always possible, but to, to in thinking of like, like Brendel's perspective shifting towards this like embracing of a new self rather than a fear and a resisting, I think there's something like really, really important there. I came to tell you, um, <laughs> I, I just, I wanted to see you before. You have to leave now. And never come back here. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion, no compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to, uh, but oh, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm saying. I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it. But now the dream is over and the insect is awake. No, sir. I'm saying 
approaching it like from a scientific standpoint rather than like anything kind of emotional or personal but human i feel like yeah. there is like there's something really just like or like a curiosity wonderful maybe. yeah yeah it's really cool mm -hmm. and then he also has this like complete desire that like illness is not going to destroy his world mm -hmm. um and and that's when this film gets like really quite dark is when he's like wishing and he he really like needs to be continue to be perceived as human and Ronnie's inability to do so mm -hmm. like when he says like help me be human um like that's just like oh because she can't perceive him as such and mm -hmm. that's really when it like I don't know if she can't perceive him as that but she is like very like worried for him and like yeah just can like concern for his well-being but I don't know if it's like an inhuman thing but it could be right. like but I guess with like yeah like fear of of the illness or yeah, yeah and like with not being able to like tell him about like her pregnancy, mm -hmm. like there's there's this like, yeah, fear and hesitancy, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, and then obviously like the final merging of mm -hmm. Brendelfly with Pod is like a lot, and then mm -hmm. he does have that like kind of like last human moment mm -hmm. of signaling with like let him leave the mortal plane, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there's like, yeah, I don't know. this yeah, film is very tension. interesting in that way, yeah, yeah, just like yeah, a lot of tension between sort of like science and technology versus sort of like humanity and emotion in a really interesting way. Can, and how can you repeat kind that? Of like, a, like a, a tension between um, science and technology, which is sort of like seen as being like outside of emotion, sort of like historically or whatever, but like mm -hmm. um, versus like kind of like human emotion and humanity and totally, everything like that yeah. and kind of like how it's all kind of working together and it like, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so the crux of this film rests on the romance between Seth and Ronnie. Um, similar to The Brood and Dead Ringers, we see a woman here being kind of like fought over a cop between like kind of two brutal dudes. And I just feel like Veronica needs a friend as like the men in her life are like pretty sleazy. Yeah, her situation <laughs> is like, oh. So stressful. Well, yeah, it's just, it feels also again inherently isolated because of like the little yeah, the triangle. Yeah, the little triangle that they're, they're mm -hmm. all stuck in. Um, and like the whole reason or the inciting incident happens because like Seth is drinking and has like a jealous moment and then gets into the telepod without sort of like checking it out first. And it's all kind of like based on this kind of like insecure moment. Yeah, like girlfriend. human error. Like yeah. it's just like human mistakes. And yeah. it's like, oh, because yeah, he's just like feeling all in his emotions. Mm -hmm. And and that's what like ah, oh, it's like it's very like greek tragedy it's yeah. just like oh that one human mistake exactly yeah kind of based yeah. on like the ego and insecurity which also kind of feeds into this like weird sort of like the line about the ultimate family which i don't really know like what to make of that because it just seems so like connected to these kind of like toxic insecure sort of patriarchal right. masculinity yeah. yeah what do you think of that line i think i feel i read that line as david cronenberg being like because especially <laughs> when he's like let's fuse to be like I, he doesn't say the perfect family but basically like oh, the, ultimate, oh, the, the ultimate the ultimate family, family fusing into one body and it's like 
obviously very like it seems to me very funny and very aware and like, like cynical gross yeah. it's cynical <laughs> it's I, that's how i read it is mm-hmm. like very kind of uh, poking into like the idea of the family structure being mm-hmm. like uh heteronormative yeah. patriarchal institution mm-hmm. that's how i read it yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah but okay i am really curious about you mentioning like yeah this because I think that that's what Cronenberg is like plays with so much crash I don't have enough knowledge about but I feel like it's getting at that like tech science human isn't it uh, like merging uh, with cars <laughs> anyway yeah I won't I shouldn't go there because I don't know enough about it um, but yeah I think that's something that Cronenberg does really well is because yeah normally we think of it as like a bit of a dichotomous situation or like a binary of like science and technologies and human and emotion yeah. but really in reality it's so much messier mm-hmm. than that yeah and like we see again to talk about yeah like the the technologies that extend human bodies and again then extend what is a body so this film yeah does that so so cutely with pods being used for like teleporting flesh across space um, but Videodrome also it explores those ideas of how mm-hmm. technologies extend bodies, but through the form of like television and media. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think you're apt in, in addressing that. Like, that's absolutely something he's like, he's working with, working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just I'm so drawn to the flies' depictions of illness um, and mortality and societal fears of illness, death, and dying. Um, yeah, and then their romance being like a really critical relational mm-hmm. element to that illness and, and mortality. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like wanting to carry on a legacy, whether it's like through his work or through like totally, yeah. the child or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which then again, yeah, that like how, what, what is, yeah, what's that desire to then leave something, that imprint, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love this movie so much. <laughs> yeah, cool, that's, that's, that's all. I think that's all I we have to say, say about. That's all we have to say <laughs> about the fly. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Um, yeah. You can listen to Bikini Drive-In every Sunday at 4 p.m. on CKUW 95.9 FM, and we'll be doing monthly events and post-screening discussions and stuff here. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, thanks so all of. Thanks for watching this movie. Okay. <laughs> bye.
it a butterfly, and I don't know why, and I don't know why, but I say, Rock tonight, and I say, Rock it right, and I say, But I don't know why, oh, I just don't know why. Powered by volunteer community involvement, this is CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. <laughs> 